I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Burrow is a furniture company known for time design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15% off your burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast Uh, welcome to the bottom of the barrel, everybody. I am here with Steve Valentine. Yes, that's me. That's my. That's my sound. We're, uh, it's a, it's an early morning podcast, so we're not really drinking. Um, I'm yeah. going to keep drinking, but I'm going to put it in a mug. So I don't I, drink an Uber myself. Do you drink an Uber? <laughs> I think you always have to keep your wits about. Only you. when I'm driving the Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I recognized you from somewhere. Well, uh, it's good to be here at uh, bottom of the barrel. At the, literally the bottom. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers cheers cheers, cheers. 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 So this is a morning thing. So you're drinking a double dry hopped juicy tropical. Yep. Yep. The hazy IPA from Side Launch. Anything's possible. I did a show up there that, a little while ago. I do. I do a lot of brewery shows lately. Yeah. I I don't know yeah. why. Like just just at a brewery, you just go stand in. Front yeah. Of like these guys, bat. they're like, we can fit 120 people in here, but you are performing in front of their big bats of beer, and I'm like, oh, I'll take it. Like. Jeez, there's an old joke about like my dad died and he, he drowned in a vat of beer and he, he got out to piss three times. It's <laughs> <laughs> an old joke. Anyway, yeah, but oh, it's true though. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's good to be here, man. But a brewery show. So how? So people are like already hammered before you go out. Yeah, it, for my kind of show, it works perfectly. Like it suits that. That's my people. It right, suits me. Yeah, and like I, I don't. You know, like people getting up nonstop, ordering more drinks and stuff. I just don't care. Like, yeah. it's fine. They're always like, it's going to be all right. I'm like, it'll be totally fine. Like, yeah. I, there's really, my show is so disconnected too. There's never like a theme. So, you right. know, if you get up and take a piss, you go get a beer, you're not going to miss anything. You might miss a trick, yeah. but there's no through line. So there's no thread. No. There's no character. No. There's uh, no music. There's, no, there's music. no lighting. There's no costume design. This is all shit that's in my show. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, you know when you said you said you were down in uh, at Hermosa and you uh, you just like decided to go do a, a spot like, like yeah. a real stand up yeah whereas I would have to bring a carload of <laughs> I, and I'm a close up guy and I can do an act with a deck of cards but lately I've been you know been working on these one man shows and it's just too many props man uh, when I, I saw you last at the castle and yeah you had a lot of shit it was awesome yeah but like just that like um, uh, when you're doing the one where like they, they're gonna win. Uh, you might win this uh, prize, and it's the 
potatoes and all that. You know that the whole thing. Like is, that, like that's crazy amount of stuff to bring just for the sight I've, gag. And I have, I have a now. I got this like a suitcase table that is um, that looks like a big kind of a, a large wooden suitcase, and it transforms into a table. But it's got a table inside of it as well. That's wow. that, that, but that's in LA though, because I just can't. Be I, there. I swear, I, I okay. I need more stuff like this in my show. Like when I'm gonna like film something like for yeah. a, a TV uh, um, or like a YouTube like a big special or something I'm gonna do, I always try and build it out and put more stuff in there. But then when I do it, I'm like I haven't performed with all these props in forever. Yeah. Because I, when you when you you know how it is, especially I do a lot of corporate shows and a lot of, and a lot of colleges. It pretty much has to fit. That's how everything fits in this case right here. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit in there, it's, it's too much of a pain in the ass. Is that a Pelican Air? Yeah, that's the Pelican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, the one. Only way to go. That's the best. Pelican Air is the best. <laughs> well, you know, I met I met up with Wilman one time, and Justin Wilman, he literally only has what he can have in a carry on. That's his show. So he does even smaller than I do. Well, I, I get it though, because I mean, I've been flying a lot. You've been flying a lot. You fly a lot. Yeah. Um, and the the thing with the luggage right now is out of control. Yeah, it's not. I've got video of piles of luggage just just sitting there at Toronto Airport, just not being manned, not being watched. Like you, I could have literally taken a couple of suitcases <laughs> and, and gone. You know. Yeah. And it's just all the stuff that's been delayed or lost. Or when I I did lose, uh, they lost my luggage one day, and I had the air tags on it, and I went back to Toronto like, a couple days later once they like got there, and they're like, oh yeah, it's where uh, your suitcase here. I show them my air tag. I'm like, yeah, and they're right. like, okay, yeah. They open up the door, and it's just like you said, just fucking mounds of it. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, what? So I went in there. I found my three bags. But they were in different places? Were they... uh, they're, they're all together. Okay. And I was like, okay, I guess this is my stuff. But no one was with me. They right. just let me in there. Yeah. And I just wheeled them out. And yeah. I, I, no at the door, I was it. like, thank you. And they're like, bye. No security, <laughs> nothing. I mean, the guy is security, but he didn't like verify my bag. I feel text. like there's a, there's a movie that starts that way. You know, where you, the guy's like, oh, let's take this suitcase. But it's got a million bucks in it or oh, something. That would be, right. okay okay that. be all right. It's a classic movie trope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So to have it, in the, have it in the backpack or to have it, you know, that is... That is becoming more and more my goal. Yeah, it is. It is, but there is a time to like, to like build it up. Like if I was going to do a week at the castle, I would add a few more things, yeah. right? Because if you're going to be in one location for 15 shows or whatever, it, it makes sense. But just when you're hopping around, there's, yeah. then it's like the thing with all the props too is is like, and this was the the last show that I put together was like, where does everything go so that you don't bump into it, knock it over? Yeah. Um, yeah. And where you're going to put something? If you're doing a 90 minute show, like yeah. my la- the last one man show I did was 90 minutes, right? That's a long show. It's a lot of, and and so you got to think pocket space. You got to yeah. think like, where am I going to put stuff? <laughs> yeah. I, I've only got, you know, I actually created a bit where I just kept take, changing jackets because I needed the pocket space for the Smart. various tricks. And I was like, well, this is how I did it in 1989. <laughs> yeah. Put on an 80s jacket, but <laughs> but literally bumping into the furniture because I'm very clumsy. So so yeah. so. Furniture management is super important. Well, I have this. I've been. I was getting Eric Claire to help me figure out. Cause I'm going to film um, and my my latest show. It's going to be an hour. I'm just going to post it on YouTube. I'm filming it at yeah. the end of uh, October. Okay. And I was like, got Eric Claire to come out and watch my show and help me figure it out. And he's like, you know, I really think you should put this trick before that trick. And uh, I'm like, Eric, I. <laughs> I'm wearing a sign on my back, so I can't take the jacket off earlier. Right. And then I have to do a trick with my shirt where I rip it off at some point. So that has to go after that. And he's like, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those guys where everything sort of just comes out of the case, right? Right, right. Here it right. is. There's the thing. His show called Smoke is Pocus. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I haven't seen it. you have to. It's so good. But everything's very much out of the case. Do the thing, you know. Put it in the other case. It's amazing. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm always loaded down. Because yeah. I like to seem like I don't have anything. But I do have a lot of shit. You when know? I go on stage, I have... 
I feel like I'm a London underground. I've got so much, you know, if you look at a map of the London underground yeah. with all the wires, oh, yeah. there's just stuff everywhere. And I'm literally like this. So by the end of the show, I'm free because all the stuff that was in my jacket and all the weight, and I had this fake yeah. chest piece at one point, and I was doing what? the vanishing. Because you got no muscles? No, I do a bit where my nipples jump across my chest. <laughs> Are you fucking <laughs> with me? No, it's really fun. I do it as a, it, it's like a nipple um, matrix. <laughs> and uh, I had this thing made for my first show by oh, uh, Michael Azaldi in LA, who's like a spectral motion special effects guy. And, um, but it's like, I literally have to, and of course it's a fake. It's like, I remember somebody going, it's a fake chest. And I was like, what, you <laughs> think this is real, dude? My, this, my grandmother can swing her nipples over, but other than that, no, that, this is like, and uh, I actually want to stick some hair on it as well, just really in funny places. But it's, oh it's a God. fucking great a chest piece that, <sighs> that uh, I have to wear under a shirt over a t-shirt, under a shirt, under a jacket, oh, wow. and a waistcoat for a good 15, 20 minutes. I would sweat. I, I am. I'm, I just Yeah, drenched. I go like this, and, and there's like streams coming out of my sleeve. You know? <laughs> oh. It's nasty. But That's... but it's very funny. I, I go never... like this, and it jumps across, and then it jumps back. And I just kind of close the shirt, and I open it, and it jumps across, and then it jumps back, and it jumps across, and it gets faster and faster. And finally, I do it in slow motion where it goes across. It actually goes slowly across the chest. <laughs> And then there's three of them. See, that's one of those ideas that people have that they're like, I, I can never make this work. Right. right? Like, I see it seems just like, oh, I can never figure this I out. I had the idea years ago. But living in LA, you know, you get to know, and being an actor, I get to know all these special effects people. Right. And so Mike's, uh, Mike Alazaldi, he's got like, Spectral Motion is like one of the top um, yeah. special effects places in town. Okay. They build all this stuff for, um, How? for the movies and the monsters and everything. So they figured out, you know, we tried like, Flap nipples, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And eventually, it was a combination of pulleys and magnets, and uh, um, yeah, wow. it's an amazing thing. But it's—I mean, I haven't done it in years. But yeah, it, just because it's now in just the sits there. Now, if someone goes over to your house, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, <laughs> you're like well, get, putting it in the suitcase. They talk about getting it through customs. Yeah, you know, and then like it looks like I've got a torso. Oh yeah, yeah. So, do you? Do, how you lived in LA a long time? Twenty years. 30. I moved there in 89. Oh, shit. I moved in uh, 2019. And you just came back for, because? Uh, Fall of love? Or what? Like came back, what, here? Yeah, like, why'd you come here? <laughs> no, my my wife wanted to raise the kids here, not in LA. Ah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So we've got a 7 and an 11-year-old. Yeah. So she, was, she was going on about it for like 5 or 6 years. And finally, I'm like, all right, fine, we'll go. I said, no actor in the history of acting has ever left L.A. and moved to Canada. Yeah. We'll give it a shot, you know. And um, <laughs> So now you blame her? And totally. Like, <laughs> for the destruction of my career. No, I, I, she's, it, it was, it was, it's, it's been really fun, actually. It's been very interesting. We moved in 2019, and then something happened. That, yeah, something. I don't know what <laughs> went down there. Something, something went down yeah. um, for the next two or three years. But... Uh, uh, Toronto's a really interesting city. Yeah. Oh, so you never lived here before? No. You went straight from I'm, Scotland to I'm, fucking... I, I grew up in... Uh, I was born in Scotland, grew up near London. Moved, oh, okay. Moved to LA when I was 19, 20 years oh, old. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know and, that. Yeah, I just jumped on a plane. and Literally just jumped on a plane to get like a holiday visa, which was a piece of paper that you yeah. filled out at the airport back in those days. Yeah. And then just we figured out how to stay. Um, That's amazing, and uh, it was, and uh, and I'd, I've met this girl, and we got married in America, and we got married, and um, not married to her anymore, 
yeah. Marry early, marry often. That's the marry early, marry often. And that's my and, dad said. Uh, always keep it under ten years. Yeah. Oh, smart. <laughs> I don't know if that's smart, true. Yeah. That's what my. I'm at six attorney, right so. now. You at six? Yeah. All right. Well, there's a seven year itch. At least that. What was that? It's sort of comedian say I've got the seven year itch. At least I hope that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, but yeah. So I came to LA and just kind of. I remember we just didn't know anyone or anything. Just naivety keeps you alive sometimes, right? I honestly miss uh, my uh, yeah the naivety and the overconfidence of of, of youth. Like I'm not knowing how fucking dangerous everything yeah. is every second. Oh my day. god! I even look back at even some of the shit that I took on when I was 25, 26. Yeah, and I'm like, as if I thought I could fucking do that, and right. I did. But I'm like. Man, where does where's that guy now? Where's he? I, w- I want I want he him knows back. Better, is yeah. where he is. He's in the back <laughs> going, Don't do it. Oh my oh, god. Oh, but I, I I know. And starting a month with nothing, like yeah. no jobs, no work, zero in the in the date book, you know. And yeah. at the end of the month, it somehow it's yeah, it got filled up. You know, that was L.A. for me. It was Unreal. we didn't know if we'd make the rent. I mean, we still don't. No one ever does. Yeah, yeah. The way the rents are, but that was uh, that was an experience. I remember we got on. Um, and I talk about it in my show, but we got to LA, my, my ex and I, and um, first apartment complex we stopped at was run by a British couple, mm-hmm. which was awesome because I didn't have any credit, I didn't have a job, I yeah. didn't have like but you got a that, work visa. You got it. that cute accent, so you can ro- well, lean accent, on that. They were English, so they knew what it was like. Right, yeah, that's like, true. They were like, well, we'll let you rent if you promise us you'll get a job. We'll give you a break because you're English. Yeah. You know, it was total like national nepotism that's awesome it was brilliant and so then the woman i'll take it (laughs) she says to me um actually she says my day job she's like i sell stuff on rodeo drive and um i know that david or gels which is a silver antique silver place is looking for a salesperson you know i was like well i can sell anything you know i can i can bullshit it yeah (laughs) so i went down there met with them and suddenly so suddenly i'm like working on rodeo drive wild you know and so in all these old hollywood this is 89, so like Mrs. Jimmy Stewart and all these old Hollywood actors would come in to buy their Minton vases or, you know, to buy jewelry. It was really surreal. That's <clears throat> messed up. <laughs> so, And then immediately, you know, you see how that half lives and immediately you're just like, I, 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 I got to get there. Well, know? when did you decide you are going to be an actor? Were you trying to do that then? Always, yeah. Okay, yeah, right out of the gate since then. I was a kid. Uh, so the idea was to go to L.A., Try and break into acting, as my friend said. Just go around knocking on doors, and then use the magic as as a way of making a living, right? Yeah. So when you say you're a magician, hilarious. Yeah, right. Everyone's like, "You're a magician. What are you gonna do for a real job?" Yeah. Get it to support your magic. I was using the magic to support the acting, <laughs> and which was insane. I remember telling the the people that ran the apartment complex that, and they were just like, "But." The, the place that we stopped at by chance, just complete fluke, was um, half a block away from the castle. Oh, man. On Orange Drive. That is super Didn't even lucky. Didn't even Unreal. Know. I asked them, I said, have you heard of this place called the Magic Castle? Because I want to see if I can audition to work there. Oh, yeah, just, they, just... they literally were like, come in. <laughs> see that building? Um, and uh, so what helped me in LA was just the ability to, there was a guy called EJ Thacker who was one of the hosts, one of the managers there. And uh, we had this deal, right, where basically... Um, he if, if if there was a lot of people there, yeah. he would page me. Ah, uh, yeah. The page, days love of pages. It. Love yeah. it. Uh, so it was my third pager because the others were drugs. So it was the third <laughs> and um, and he would page me, and then I would just run up and do extra shows down in the basement. Unreal. So I was doing oh. five or ten shows a week just for fifty bucks. Yeah, it didn't matter. Doesn't no, matter. No, give out my business card. Of course, what I was supposed to do, and then I would just get all the jobs in Beverly Hills. That so was that that awesome. really just kept us alive castle was the reason oh my god that's i love that kind of thing yeah 
That's a big fluke. What was the, okay? So then, when did you, like how did what was your first like role when you're like oh now I my when when did your plan started working when were you like oh I'm getting some acting roles now? Uh, I was doing um, I would do these workshops which I was I wasn't happy with and then I would do acting classes and then I got like just I got a line one line on married with children. Oh yeah, nice. And then from there, uh, I started doing like all these like under five roles. What's under that? five lions, right? Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so it's co-stars. So they pay you less. And, and the idea is, the idea was, according to my agent at the time, that you build your credits yeah. that way, you know? <laughs> but I was doing these like, here's your beer, sir. <laughs> you know? Or even like, I remember doing, um, I was supposed to do something on Deep Space Nine and it just got relegated to being an extra. And I was, so, I was in, oh. I'm in the Vulcan outfit. I'm like addressed as a Vulcan. I got the makeup on. Oh. And in the end, I'm just like in the back going, <laughs> and I see these actors coming and I see these guest star actors coming in like bitching about everything and I'm like if you only knew yeah. how much I want to be where you are right oh. now and then I would do magic shows for like big celebrities and producers and directors yeah. but they didn't take me seriously because I was doing Magician. magic shows for them you know like you did my kids bar mitzvah what do you mean you're an actor you know so uh, um, I, remember oh, I would every, every holidays I would do like Lawrence Kasdan's holiday party and I loved Whoa. it he was lovely and I bet that'd be a good guest list. It was great. One, one, because um, he would invite specifically uh, the cast of various movies. So, right, um, the Big Chill. I remember one of yeah. the one from the Big Chill was there. Cool. There's just caviar. You know, some houses there's caviar everywhere. Some yeah. houses there's cocaine everywhere. Yeah. You just kind of go with the flow. Of yeah, and you don't want to be rude in either house, you right? Don't want you want to just, say no? Yeah, I mean that's just um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, uh, that's always a fun. You know, when you do the salt trick. Like but you do it with, <laughs> you act like you just take a little bit of, a little bit of cocaine and yeah. watch this and it starts pouring and it doesn't stop <laughs> oh. you see these guys and they're like what that's very cruel uh, but yeah. um you're uh, like dude I wouldn't even do this if I could do this for real like you think I'm looking for jobs I mean obviously thank yeah. you come on so I, I remember saying to Kasdan uh, you know I, that uh, I'm also an actor and um, I think the term also an actor is not a good thing to say yeah that's, that's, that's like, a hard you know, that's a, a hard chef, but I'm also an actor I'm a juggler I'm a whatever I'm doesn't doesn't work so he, I remember his eyes glazing over um oh yeah he must because he must hear that shit all the time too. yeah yeah and so I I ended up um a, one, a couple of things happened I ended up quitting magic for for a number of years because I felt it was getting in the way yeah and I said to my agent at the time I was doing like married with not married, married with children men behaving badly and some soap opera for a little bit but I was like I want to do I want to move up. I want to do yeah. guest star roles, recurring guest star roles, series regulars. And I'm not going to do that if I'm doing these small lines. That's how everybody sees me. Yeah. You know, so you look at how you're perceived and you have to change that. And I remember him saying like, but you're making, you're doing really well. You're making money. You're like, yeah. you're the guy. Everyone knows you can handle this. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you know, so. You want to level up. You want to yeah, go to the next So thing. I started turning down those. Oof. So I wasn't going to do those anymore. Nice. Right. Oof. And then I moved and I'm like, just guest stars, recurring guest stars and series regulars. Um, and so then I started doing guest stars and then I was list and then at one point I said, I just recurring characters now uh, or a series regular. I got to that point where that's fucking cool. Yeah. But it's, it's ballsy, right? Cause and again, naivety, arrogance, yeah. Yeah. whatever it is. How old are you at this point? 30? <clears throat> uh, I think my, my crossing Jordan came at. Because that was your first big regular... Like, I did a sitcom before that called Nikki oh, okay. on the WB with Nikki Cox. Oh, okay. And um, and then uh, and then Crossing Jordan. But it's interesting. The reason I got Crossing Jordan was because one of the actors on Nikki... So I 
I was asked to do Nikki at the same time I was offered a movie. The movie didn't pay anything, but was a good independent film. Oh. And Nikki was WB sitcom. Right. You know, it's not art. But it was, it was produced by Bruce Helford. It's not right. It is, you know, um, and it, it was a funny concept, and um, and it was going to be a recurring character at least at the beginning. And um, I remember having to explain to the producer of the of the independent film like that I'm gonna I need to take this job because they're actually going to pay me yeah like eight grand a week and you fuck us yeah you know? and I'm like I'm not making anything on this movie they didn't understand they held it against me in fact some of the people involved in that still hold it against me but, insane yeah but you, you, you know you have to make those decisions so then I did that show and then one of the actors on that show one of the recurring characters um, came in one day and he said uh, hey man I just I just auditioned for a part and he said and I'm, I sucked I was really bad trying to do a British accent and everything. He says, but you'd be perfect for it. Yeah. The untitled Tim Kring project. Go tell your agent about it. So uh, I go to my agent and of course they'd never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, they get me the audition. They actually managed to get me an audition and then ended up getting the, getting the part as a recurring guest star. That's cool. Yeah. <sighs> it's, but even then, when the show got picked up after the pilot, and they were like, we want Steve for the second episode. They offered me half the money that they paid me for the pilot, which is common. You get paid twice as much for a pilot usually. I didn't. Fuck. No. Yeah. Well, you they don't do it anymore. <laughs> okay. But it used to be like, if you're going to get, say, $30,000 an episode, oh, okay. right, they'll pay you 60 for the pilot to hold you to that show. Now they don't give a shit. Yeah. Now they don't care at all. Good luck getting another show. Yeah, exactly. Um, so but oh. I, me I remember them calling and saying like, uh, uh, we're going to pay him this for another episode. And I, and I had just done five, finished five national different national commercials. I was right. And this campaign for cheese where I was the chef. And um, we were talking about, <laughs> this, is, this is like the life of an actor. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the chef on a cheese commercial. No, as soon as you said it, I can picture it. I'm like, yeah, yeah you do look like a cheese chef. Yeah, it was a cheese chef. <laughs> and, and I just, and so I said, um, they've got, no, I said, they've got to pay me what they paid me in the pilot. Oh, fuck. And otherwise I'm not going to do it. And my agent was like, are you crazy? This is NBC. And I said, yeah, but it's a, it's a guest star. And I shudder now. Yeah. You know, um, and finally they said, okay, we'll, we'll pay him that. So wow. I went in and did it. And then I just got on with it so well with everybody. They, they were writing for my character and then. By the fifth episode, they were, they they offered me the the regular part. That is fucking awesome. But looking back at that moment where I was like, I got five national commercials running, uh, you know, yeah, pay me what I'm worth, or at least pay me don't pay me half what you paid me before. <sighs> that's such a again like that, we just said it because that's that's the move, man. That's fucking crazy. But you would never do that now. <laughs> no, I would never do that now. <laughs> I would be like, oh, you and you're gonna pay me? Oh, okay. <laughs> I did it once for Disney and it backfired. I, I, it backfires every now and again. Yeah. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I've never talked about this. I was, and I'm not even drinking, um, but I did uh, this, uh, this series of Tinkerbell movies, right? There were these Tinkerbell movies. Okay. Cartoon, animated cartoons. They did very well for Disney. So the first one comes out and I'm doing a voice for the Minister of Spring. Okay. And um, then they're going to do the second one. And I was Minister of Spring there. And then the third one, they wanted me to do one of the main voices, like the dad of one of the kids. Okay. And it was a major role. And and I was like, yeah, great. I, 
and they said, but your credit is going to be like with a bunch of other people in the back of the of the movie. Like when they go like additional voices by. Oh, okay. See, you know, and I was like, but this is, a, I, I should have, oh, you know, wow, your own screen. Yeah. Well, it, it's just like, you know, I said, you've got all these other people that, like, that yeah, character name. The name and their name, and their name, name of course. Yeah. And, and I said, for me, like, that's a big step up. Like I, I putting me with, I didn't understand why. And I still don't understand crediting sometimes. Yeah. Um, but why they wanted to just push me, put me with a bunch of other names. <sighs> so I think it was like $25,000 job. And I said to my agent, no, I want the proper credit. Yeah. I think it's only fair. I don't, I don't understand why they just won't, you know. And they said no. You know. And they never came back. And yeah. I didn't do any more. Uh, for, for our TV show, Big Trick Energy, yeah. Chris... Uh, Ramsey and myself, we created the show. And Ian Frisch was the guy who introduced us to the production company and sort of had the show made. Yeah. And in the final thing, it's uh, the credits are created by Ian Frisch and Chris Ramsey. And I was like, but I wrote like most of it. Like I created all, like l the concept up is like all, I'm like, what the fuck? And How'd then, that make you feel, man? Uh, yeah. And they were like, hey, if you push this, it's going to go away. That's basically what the agent told me. And I was like, all right. So I let it ride. I let it go. They're like, like, you just don't fight this. This is it, there's a lot going on. Like, so, and I don't understand what the problem is. One more fucking name. One, it has to do with uh, either residuals. It is residuals. It's back end shit. Back end shit. It, it, it could be divided among. Like I've taken shows to pitch to production companies where they're like, there's too many people involved. Yeah, you know, Fuck, that's like, what it was. Yeah, no, like, oh. because once you start dividing that pie, and and with reality television, yeah. it's smaller anyway. Well, and they're like, we got four hosts already. What are, you're gonna get credit now? We gotta get the other guys. Where they're all created by? Like, we can't give all of you producer credits. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. There are four of us, and I, I just wanted to get a goddamn TV show, right? So yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. yep, let's go. But I'm like, what I, I sold the show. I sold the show to uh, uh, the first show I ever I ever sold was um, I came off of Crossing Jordan, and I remember I was at a party, and I and I wasn't getting auditions i wasn't working now and when you're used to working like six years like all the time you know every week with an episode it, you 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 kind of get a little <laughs> like that's it my career's over i'm like what yeah. the hell am i gonna do now and i was getting a bit sensitive every time i went to this one restaurant the, the owner would be like so what's coming next for you oh, I'd be no. like, stop asking me that <laughs> will you stop asking me that question i don't know so this one woman comes up to me at a party and she's like have you read the books she's like what, what are you gonna do with your career now and I'm like, I, I don't know. I like how they ask you like it's your choice. Yeah, that, that's what people not in show business ask you, right? Yeah. They always go like, why don't you do a movie with Tom Cruise? I don't get it. What's this, you know, Hallmark shit? Um, so I'm like, thanks, good idea there, auntie. auntie. Um, so this woman comes up and she's like, oh, wait, um, have you read these books called The Gourmet Detective? And I said, no. And she said, well, they're, they're good. She said, but I could see you as the lead character. You should see if you can get the rights. And then she vanished into the party. And I, hmm. and I was like, okay, so I went home that night. I found the books, read them. They're good. Not great. They're good. I love the title. It's about, it's, about yeah. a, it's like Murder He Cooked, right? So it's, yeah. it's just like, I'm like, this feels like a USA show. Yeah. USA Network. And, um, and so I, I, uh, I found the agent online hmm. and I sent him an email. And I just was like, I don't know how to do this. I'm new to this whole thing of like getting the rights to books, but and I don't have like a ton of money to pay you, but I think it could be a really good series. And he said, uh, I'd love to do this with Peter because the author was in his 90s. Oh, wow. And he said, um, about a couple of grand just for all eight books. Um, and I was like, yes, absolutely. So uh, 
But here was the weird thing. I could only get seven books because the first book, the one with the title Gourmet Detective, was owned by a British publisher. No. So the, my, we, we strike the deal for the seven and my lawyer now is like reaching out to the guy in England and he's not responding. He does, he's not interested or he comes back and wants way too much money. And so uh, the, the uh, lawyer calls me up and goes, yeah, maybe you can call them and just pitch them on your passion for the project or something. And I was like, sure, what's the guy's name? And he goes, Martin Brees. I said, Martin Brees? Like, there's a magic dealer in the 80s called Martin Brees. <laughs> no way. And he published a number of books and he got the rights to a lot of the Al-Quran stuff. And you can go online now. He's, he passed away, but, but he's, there's another guy who bought his martinbrees.com. Can't be the same Martin Can't Brees. Can't be. Because <laughs> I, I used to go to his shop in like uh, uh, 84, 85. I would go buy stuff at his oh, shop. I love this. And it turns out it was the same guy. That's fucking cool. <laughs> so I'm like, this is so, I said, you won't remember me. I said, but I used to come in once a week and I, I was working in Yugoslavia, another story. I said, but I used to come in uh, and buy new tricks all the time. I got, I got the M wallet from you, Paul Brignall's trick. I got like Max Maven's packet tricks. I got like, I, and, and so we had this whole conversation at the end of it. He was like, he said, all right, all right. He says, we'll, we'll let you use the book. So we, we made the Whoa. deal. But what are the odds? That is unreal. Martin Brees. Yeah. I can't let the Yugoslavia go. <laughs> That's all I heard. Neither can I? <laughs> I do. I do a piece about it in my uh, in my. Anyway, just to finish that, yeah, is please, we ended please, up please. selling that to USA Network. That's um, cool. And uh, it didn't get made. And then finally, we sold it to years later to Hallmark. I think people don't understand how many things get sold and not made. You know what I mean? Like people have very crazy. good careers just writing two or three pilots a year. Yeah, and literally nothing ever gets ever out gets to the scene. Yeah. And, that, and I think that's an issue because at the end of it, you have nothing to show for your work. Yeah, like, I've developed so many series. Um, and then people are like, well, you haven't done anything for a while. I'm like, you have no I idea. Know, yeah. and I was like, I had a series about Houdini and Conan Doyle, which we sold to Sci-Fi Network in 2011. Oh, dope. Right before the big kind of upswing and period stuff on TV. Man. And it was Houdini and Doyle. It's such uh, a good story in general. And, and you well, and you when you finished. Uh... Yeah. And we, want, we wanted to do my writing partner and I, Paul Chart, had done Children of Men. And he he wanted to make it really dark and edgy. Oh, like none fuck of, yeah. None of the usual kind of like, oh, who, like Conan Doyle's like Sherlock Holmes. It's like, yeah. no, he's not. That's the yeah. whole point. It's, it's not. Kind of bumbling. Um, <laughs> Murdoch mysteries bullshit. None yeah, of that, yeah. right? No, none of yeah. that. But, but, and Houdini is, it, anyway, so we had this idea. We wrote a terrific pilot. Um, Sci-fi didn't, they bought it and then they didn't quite remember what they bought. <laughs> so it's like, oh. I remember the executive once, I was like, can we go over your notes because they're not making sense and he literally said to me, I actually don't. Can you repitch the pilot to me? Oh my god! Right, you know, yeah. So we ended up selling it again to NBC, um, and then NBC wasn't sure that period pieces were going to work. Right, this is oh right god. when right when Sherlock Holmes um, uh, Guy Ritchie was coming out with his Sherlock Holmes. So I remember saying to them because they were like, "Yeah, we love the script because we had a lot of steampunk in there. And yeah, it was really fun." And um, and so I said, "Well, wait." I said, "I think the Guy Ritchie thing is going to be huge." And they were like, well, if that does well, we'll, you know, then we'll, we'll really consider putting it on the air. And so we, and they paid us to write the pilot, right? Yeah. So Guy Ritchie explodes with Sherlock Holmes. Oh my God, yeah. comes back and their response was, yeah, but that's Guy Ritchie. <laughs> and um, you can't bloody win. Oh. So <clears throat> in the end, um, it went, it went dark, you know, as they say, and, and uh, it didn't happen. 
And then I was able to get the rights. I was able to get the rights back, or at least get a, a, a document saying that if someone else was to pay a certain amount of money, that we could get the rights back. Which I later found out I didn't need to do because these were historical characters. Oh, right. And, right. Uh, yeah. So then, um, but I got the thing back, and so now I'm like going around town trying to sell it. I send it to Fox. I send it to all these other places, and then suddenly I see an announcement that Fox is doing a show about Harry Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, investigating what? psychics and solving crimes. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, I didn't ever. I never. What, what show was that? It was on for like a year. Oh, okay. It was, on the, it was on Fox. But they did it the shit version, right? They didn't do the fucking they dark, did, they, gritty they, version. They did like the network television yeah. version. Um, and I remember, and it was such a weird feeling because I, I managed to get hold of a copy of the script and it was nothing like ours. Yeah. I mean, almost almost to a fault, nothing like ours. So it, was very, <laughs> it was very possible that they just heard the concept and wanted to do their own version. Totally. Which happens in Hollywood all the time. Yeah. So I'm up at the castle and and this is such a Hollywood thing, right? So I'm up at the castle and uh, I'm in the Palace of Mystery and I look behind me and there's one of the showrunners from House. Yeah. Lovely guy. Um, and he's there with a bunch of people. And so we say hi. And I'd done an episode of House where I played a magician. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, did that happen often that you end up playing a magician? On no, because only when I decided to kind of re-embrace magic back into my life. But I was that was also... Because that, that House episode, like, you are the episode. It's about your, you swallowed a key or some shit, yeah, right? Like, yeah, and, yeah. It's great. It was... <laughs> that was really fun. But that was the first time I'd played a magician on TV in a long time because I was like, I don't do magic anymore and yeah. I'm not playing magicians, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up doing a ton of them. Yeah. But uh, so I look behind me and, and and this guy's there and we start talking and he goes, he's like, I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing up here tonight? And he goes, oh, he says, well, I'm running a new show. He said, I didn't create it. I didn't write it and create it. He said, but they brought me in to run it. It's about Harry Houdini and Conan Doyle and we're making it for Fox and I've just brought all the writers up to, you know, and, and I'm just, so I said to him, I was like, did you, have you heard about the show that I sold to NBC? And he, and he literally just had no idea what you're talking about. So I said, well, I said, um, I said, uh, here's the thing. I said, obviously our show's dead, but um, he was such a lovely guy. I was like, who's your Houdini expert? Because Pat Carleton's the guy, I'll give you his number. I said, well, we don't really have a Houdini expert. I said, well, you should get need one. <laughs> said, who's your Conan Doyle uh, expert? Because you should have, you know, and he, they didn't have a Conan Doyle. They were just kind of making it up as they went along. And, um, and you know, that's, that's, that's Hollywood, right? Yeah. I, I had these, I was angry. I was, um, I was also just kind of like, well, hey, move on to the next. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I still think to this day our script was could should be made because it's oh man way I wouldn't say better but yeah it would be really good for like a Netflix for like a where you can do a bit where you can actually do yeah we would do stuff like well they proved it themselves they went one year and died they then yours yeah like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it wasn't gonna be worse than that <laughs> oh what a shame <laughs> uh, yeah oh man I I. Uh, I'm I'm not in that world enough, um, but yeah, it's 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 very very weird. And then the shit that doesn't get made is always criminal, and yeah. the shit that does uh, that gets made and then and then dies, like you know, some of your favorite shows ever will run one or two seasons and they get canceled. You're like, yeah. And there's never any uh, there's never any satisfaction there. There's no 
uh, the, even the people that are closest to it, you're never going to hear why or anything. It's all bullshit. Nobody gives you an honest answer. Yeah. Nobody even says no. They just don't get back to you. Yeah, they just yeah, ghost they, you. They, they, yeah, that's yeah. where it started, man. It started with uh, TV executives 100%. where you pitch them. We'll let you know, and they don't. My, my, I got I got a guy hit up the other day, and they're like, "Hey, who, who, who reps you?" And I'm like, "I don't think anybody anymore." <laughs> Let me check. And yeah, they're like, "I'm like, I send emails into this void. Apparently, I have a, a management team, but I don't think they. That's even, very common. I think That's they. Very common. <laughs> I think they put me in what the spam you Always folder. here is I generate all my own work, man. <laughs> yeah, but that you, but you need to have that rep just to say that you have rep. Um, and the reason I told you the 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 um gourmet detective thing was because I planned to play the lead right. and you were talking about this with your show and I was like I'm I'm doing this I'm playing the lead no matter what oh, right oh yep and I I got the show and I attached by complete fluke and again this is just the naivety of like I, I'd done an episode of Monk where I played a magician yeah right? yeah that's right <laughs> and um and the director a showrunner was uh dating a friend of mine yeah and which was a nice coincidence so um I got to know him a little bit while I was doing the show and then um so I called the studio and I was and I said uh, I called Paramount. I just called Paramount Studios, and I was like, uh, "Can I get uh, Randy Zisk's office uh, on the Monk uh, set, please?" And they were like, "Sure, put you right through." They put <laughs> me through it. to Randy's office, right? It. So you can't get through the gate. Yeah. But you can call. <laughs> so Randy picks up, and I'm like, "Hey, it's Valentine. Um, I've got a project I want to talk to you about. That I'd love to bring yeah. to USA, and I know that Monk is ending." I don't, I'm sure you've got stuff planned, but can we have lunch and talk about it? And he was like, well, I'm busy, but yeah, okay. So I pitched it to him and he's like, I love it. He's like, okay, I'll add this to my plate. So, and I said, I, I want, he said, I assume you want to play the part. And I was like, yes. And he's like, okay. And he goes, and you know what? If, if we sell it and they don't want you for it, they can go stuff it. We'll take it somewhere else. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Cool. So we go, we sell it to USA and USA uh, is our first pitch was USA. And they say, well, we don't know that you're right for the part because we don't have a script and we want to have the option to bring in a bigger name. And, uh, and so Randy and I have a meeting and he's like, do you want me to just, we'll just quit it and we'll just move on to another pitch. And I was like, no, no, I, I, it's okay. I'll be a producer. I'll, I'll, I'll write it. I'll, I'll be an executive producer. We'll get somebody else. And that's fine. <laughs> How quickly you were like, no, that's fine. Yeah. I'm like, Cause I started off with, I'm the fucking star. And then I ended up with, no, if you want to give somebody else, that's fine with me. Just, you know, if you want to buy it, yeah. Of course, you know, once you get in that situation, yeah. and especially if you think from the perspective of a, of a producer versus an actor, yeah, suddenly the, the head sh shifts, right? And yeah. now you're like, okay, I want what's best for the show. And I'm sure there's going to be an actor that's going to be better for the show. So Yeah, and, and just... Um more is more in Hollywood. So, like, if you make that and you're just a producer or whatever, like, you have just a little bit more to push the next thing you want through a little you know what i mean mm -hmm. like everything's better more is more <laughs> more is more i don't know and uh, you always have to be doing something mm -hmm. it doesn't matter in england i feel like you can have a, a a body of work and you're known for that and uh whereas uh i feel like in america it's what are you doing now what it's are you doing next it's interesting that you never really tried it over there then you just right away you're like fuck it america american dream yeah i just did theater west. i did theater uh, and, and magic over there yeah and, um i just had a friend of mine suggest one day that uh, uh that you know we should all go over and knock on doors and yeah show them how it's done yeah you, yeah yeah so I thought, well, okay. and then i just did it I had this, she literally said to me you have nothing going on here you have nothing keeping you here and i was like oh thanks that's that's great uh but it was true you know and um 
Who's the biggest like star you've had to share a scene with? Have you ever, have you had to do any? I mean, like fucking even in house, that's that's pretty that's pretty heavy. Uh, he was right amazing. There. Yeah, um, I think I remember doing a movie having a scene with Albert Brooks. I'm a huge fan of Albert oh, Brooks. Oh wow, yeah. And I did a movie called The Muse. And he was lovely, and and uh, I mean, I know his movies backwards. I'm a huge Albert Brooks. Oh, wow, that must be hard then. So for me, and I noticed that even though we were, we he was directing it. So when we were doing the scene, he was super aware still of like where. As soon as we fit, finished the scene, he was like, "We need more extras back over there." Like he was oh, just, wow. like, he's a brilliant guy. He called me at home like a, a couple of weeks after I did the finished the movie, and um, he was going to go on the Tonight Show. And he said, I'm going to do this sketch, he said, with a, with a parrot, as if I'm a ventriloquial parrot. And he said, I want you to do the voice of the parrot. Oh, it's going to, he said, it's going to be really funny because it's obviously I'm not doing it, but I'm going to pretend that I am. And uh, I was like, yes, of that course. But awesome. it ended up not happening. Oh, man. I was so upset. Um, but he was great. I mean, I think... The Walk was an interesting movie. That's where I met Chris when I was in Montreal shooting The Walk. Oh, right. Yeah. Because that had people like Ben Kingsley in it. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Like a, like a really nice big cast. Yeah. Um, I think, I guess Sharon Stone was in was in the Albert Brooks movie. So huh. she was pretty big. Did you ever, did you end up doing any of the, the talk show circuit stuff? Like, did you ever get on any of them? I did. Um, I didn't do the Tonight Show or anything like that, but I did uh, a lot of the daytime stuff. The oh, Dick okay. Clark had a show. Right. And uh, uh, with Danny Bonaducci. Oh you remember God, the club yeah. Danny Bon? There's, there's a couple. Whoa, that's and, and then I did, because I got a publicist. You get a publicist when you do a TV. Everyone says you need one. Yeah. But it's super expensive. Yeah. It's like three grand a month at Holy least. Holy shit, balls. In order to like promote that you're on a series. And I really wanted to just get, like, I wanted to get on talk shows and I wanted to get articles and just kind of promote that the character was popular and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I ended up doing. Uh, kind of mid-range daytime talk shows and uh, and it was fun and I came over here to do Mike Bullard's show oh back in the day damn uh, and the only reason I got on was because the SARS epidemic was happening <laughs> no one wanted to come here and I was like <laughs> I'll, okay, do it. I'll go <laughs> so I remember oh, man, coming Mike through Bullard. the airport and um, the immigration guy saying uh, so why, why are you coming into Toronto and I'm like well, I'm doing a talk show and he goes doing a talk show I'm like, yeah, Mike Bullard. And he goes, oh, watch yourself, man. Watch yourself. He'll get you. He'll get you. What? He's, he's funny. He'll be your friend. And then he's going to turn around. He's going to make you look stupid. So you, you watch yourself. I was like terrified by the time I got to set. Um, yeah. Oh, man. I forgot about Mike Bullard's show. That's, yeah, that's good shit. Hey, he's a Canadian legend, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I just There was a, just a, a documentary about stand-ups that uh, I went to see a screening of mm. uh, that was really good. And is he in that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah all the Canadian stand-ups. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, did you see that at TIFF or what? No, they uh, had a, a screening out in, um, I think, Hamilton. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, at some theater. I never, yeah. I, oh, that's not, I like, I, I'll watch anything to do with stand-ups. I love that, the, especially like if it's like about that old, you know, uh, old generation i don't know if that's the right way to say it but like i i love watching i'm obviously like uh jerry seinfeld had his fucking uh documentary years ago that right. made uh made comedy popular again but like even like uh they, then jim carrey produced a show called i'm dying up here it's not a documentary but it's about the 
uh, basically it's about the comedy store in like the eighties or whatever, you know, like I, I, any of that kind of shit, that era of stand up is fucking cool. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I, I think I it's so cool. I talk about yuck yucks all the time here yeah. in Canada and how just what a, what a stranglehold that place had on. Oh yeah. If you want to be a comedian in Canada, you don't piss off yuck yucks. Yeah. You know? And, and, and there's these stories and as an outsider, you're just like, go tell them, go fuck themselves. Like, yeah. You know, go do your own career. Like you don't, and yet people get sucked into that. Yeah. That, codependency because it's one of those things where um our careers have no template there's no like oh go here do this training get this job kind of thing right yeah so uh comedy clubs and franchises like yuck yucks offer a modicum of that Mm -hmm. and people just can't help but be like Oh, good. Here's a, well, we a all, path that we, we follow. We all want acceptance, don't we? Yeah. I mean, that's why we're doing it. We want applause. We want acceptance. We want someone to tell us that we're good. Yeah. Like, when I did the walk, and we're shooting in Montreal, I'm in a movie with Ben Kingsley and all these other like Oscar-winning actors, and the whole time I'm just like, "Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't be the worst thing in the movie." Don't, yeah. You know, I'm almost like psyching myself out, and all I wanted at the end of every scene was for Bob Zemeckis to look at me and go. <laughs> That's all I wanted. He was like dad, right? And, and you just wanted to go. Oh, that was good. That was that was that was good. He called me when I got the part, and I I'll never forget this because I'd auditioned for it, and then I got a call saying, "You're Bob's choice, but the studio wants a bigger name." Yeah, and I'm like, okay, but the fact, and, but they said, and but he's going to go to bat for you. Nice. And I thought, I don't care if I get the part now. The idea mm. that Robert Zemeckis, like the director of like some of my favorite movies of all time, yeah, like actually thinks I'm good enough to to go to bat for. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So he calls me. He's got no idea I do magic, right? Because I I don't promote the two together. Smart. And so, so he's on the phone with me. He literally says this. So this character you're playing, Steve, um, uh, he's it was this guy in the I don't know if you saw the documentary Man on Wire, but it was the mm-hmm. character with the giant mustache. Oh yeah, it was that like that you know that guy with the New York. I was gonna ask because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the very thick accent. So he goes, um, so this character he's he's a, he's a he's an unusual man. He's a weird guy. He's kind of he's kind of out of his time. He doesn't really fit in anywhere. He is, he said, I don't know if you've ever been to a place in L.A. called the Magic Castle, but he's like those magicians that are hanging in the shadows and they don't you just they don't quite fit in, you know. And I'm just literally. Did you not tell him at that point? No, no. I was like, yeah, I've been there. I know what you mean. I know what you oh mean. Oh my god, because you're literally that guy. Like, no wonder he felt that. He's like, I guess he felt the I don't fit in anywhere, and I'm, yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy. That's so cool. So he was he was amazing. Oh man, he was lovely. We talked about a lot of conspiracy theories at the time, because you know the show was uh, it's the Twin Towers. Yeah, and uh, the guy puts the wire between the Twin Towers. Yeah, and walks across. So they there was a lot. He actually said to me at one point. He came to set. We used to go to uh, back to the hotel afterwards and watch Zemeckis movies. Yeah, the cast, and then we would try and figure out. Oh, we did that that shot. That's a Zemeckis shot. We did that today. Yeah, you know. Oh, he yeah. He, we did that a couple of days ago. And uh, he found out we were watching his movies. And he's like, you can ask us. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, uh, he said I hear you're, uh, you're watching my films. <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, you can ask me anything about any of them, and I'll tell you, I'll give you an honest answer. So then we just started picking his brains about like, stuff that happened on set. And, and it was great. That's awesome. Was, yeah. That, the moments. Oh, man, that makes me happy. Did you put a lot of thought, because I'm kind of hung up on this uh, idea of like why he sensed, that even though he didn't know you're a magician, why he sensed that about you 
Did you put a lot of thought in curating your look as an actor? Like you're like, I better keep my hair long. I better have the mustache. I better be. I didn't. Okay, because uh, you are very unique. Like like Chris always makes fun of me. He's like he says I look like every extra in Saving Private Ryan or something. It's like you're just the most boring guy. They did. But you always work. They did, and that's the thing. That's they, the problem. Some guy did a cartoon of of the four of us for our TV show, right? It's yeah. just like, but it's like one of those like abstract ones where it's like minimalist. Yes. So like, when you look at it though legitimately there's eric with like glasses alex has a beard and his hair chris has a beard and hair and some tattoos mine is faceless like bland no not bland like there's nothing it's just (laughs) an oval a white oval of a face and that's and everyone's like yeah that's Wes. that's insulting i know i knew i didn't even have this scruff going back then so i was just nothing the guy's like i have nothing to paint here oh man no i I had a guy come up to me at an acting class once before i got my uh first break and he um and I, I've talked about this before. He never, I'll never forget this. He said to me, he said, uh, so you, uh, you think you're going to make it? <laughs> he says, what do you, where do you see your career? You know, and I'm like, well, I hope, I hope to get something at some point. Yeah. Why? I always had this kind of quiet confidence that at some point something will come along that's right. Sure. He goes, well, he says, uh, he says, look at me. He says, look, he says, I'm short, I'm fat, I'm Jewish. He says, I can play doctors, I can play lawyers. <laughs> I can do all these roles. Right? Yeah. He says, I'm always going to work. He said, you're tall, you're real. I was really skinny at the time. He said, you're tall, you got skinny, you've got long hair, big forehead. He said, I just like, it's, you, the kinds of roles that you play would be super unique or different, yeah. like not consistently, you know. But like magician, villain, vampire, right. that's you. So I said, <laughs> so, I, so I said, so I was really like, but I was really angry with the guy. But I said, I just said to him, look, I said, I, I have confidence that at some point, yeah. something will come along. I said, I know Jack Nicholson. I've read a lot of biographies. Nicholson couldn't get work because he was so Nicholson. Yeah. And then he eventually became his own type. Yeah. So I said, I'll, I'll you know, I'll just keep hammering away. Thanks. You yeah. Know? And a year later, I got Crossing Jordan. Yeah. See, yeah, and exactly. he came as a guest star on, on, <laughs> on my show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that feels nice. That was fun. That feels really that was fun. nice. I was very nice. I was very welcoming. What actors do you think that you, uh, you know what I mean? Like people have those like guys like, oh yeah, like if, if, if he was dead, I could maybe have that role kind of thing. Who, who's sort of your actors that are kind of... Well, there's, there's, there's those people that you always compete with right. that get the roles that you want. Right. You know, uh, there was a time, uh, and he's brilliant, so uh, 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 there was a time when I would often get um, mistaken for Richard E. Grant's uh, you know, people thought I was in the Spice Girls movie, which I wasn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and what happened was, he was talking about looks, is I did a role where I had, my hair was like super long and all one length. Yeah. And um, I did a role in that. And then I would go and audition for something else. And they'd be like, yeah, we like your hair the way it is. And so if you look at most of my stuff, I have the same haircut for like 20 years. Whoa. Because everyone just goes, that suits that's, you. Yeah, that's great for the character. Yeah. So when I did Crossing Jordan, um, I had the bob, like all one length, page boy cut, you know, and they were like, yeah, we like that. So for six years, I had to have that same haircut, even though we did slight variations on it. Oh my God. Um, And so when that show was over, I cut my hair and uh, short and then didn't work for years. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, I, I think that became, I guess, my image, my look. Yeah. Like a straight Chris Angel. No, I'm sometimes I do sometimes I do jokes just for me they're, no, from, no, they're for me and one other I, person I, that's I, all yeah. no I think Chris would appreciate that no 
Uh, speaking of Chris appreciating things, have you read Harrison Greenbaum's book? I have not. Okay, but oh, I, buddy, that's full of good good stuff for Chris Angel in there. Oh is my it? god, I, he's like one of the funniest people, isn't he? Harrison? Oh, he's so funny. The idea that they did that as a fake tarbell—it's amazing. And dude, like, it's it's relentless. It's relentless. <laughs> like, absolutely useless for uh, advice and magic. Is that basically what? The absolutely book is? hilarious. <laughs> I do need to get a copy. Actually. It's just not good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the funniest thing you ever read. But I'm like, I'm like, there's nothing of 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 substance in here. It's just nonstop hilarity. So it's that's him though. And oh, he was perfect. killing it in Vegas recently. Right? Oh, I went and saw a show at the great. Mad Apple Circus. Fucking amazing. I, I wanted to see it because uh, I, I, as a performer, I'm so used to kind of. I'll, I've done cabaret, right? Yeah. Where you're in like the three people, the three sides to the room, but small, tight. Um, and I wanted to see how he handled working that environment because it was almost 360 it was almost right? in the round almost yeah, yeah. Cause you come right over to the end of the catwalk and it's just basically yeah uh harrison greenbaum did no magic that's how he that's how he right. that's how he did it he's yeah. like i'm gonna do crowd work and comedy i think he did two tricks in the whole <laughs> thing and those and both of them had uh the cameras punched up so you could watch on the the screen oh, so it was like screen. it was more of like close-up mentalism type stuff okay um but yeah he did in the 40 minutes he's on stage he did two tricks and the rest of it was just crowd work and comedy. The guy's a fucking genius. He's great. Man. There's a guy in England called Danny Buckler who's like that, who just yeah. works off a crowd, and oh, he was just great. at Magic Live, and I think he did like 18 minutes with the top change. Yeah. It was, yeah, that, that was it. So and it, good. It, it, it. You know, I admire that. I really yeah. do, because my stuff is... Uh, um, it's tight and fast, and I like to get through it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I like to get through it and get off. I'm I'm more the other way. Like I like to. I will spend forever telling a story. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll just take these six minute detours in my show and just tell some story, a, like a hilarious true story that's happened to me. And people are like, some people love it. Yeah, but I'm very polarizing. People will be like, I I I got fired off a cruise ship once six years ago, for the, like I got off stage and they're like. That was really funny. I'm like, thanks. They're like, no, like the comedian was yesterday, and I'm like, oh, and they're like, we, we wanted a magician, yeah, and but I, I killed, but they're like, nah. I did. So I I, like, I'm ah. touring. I'm about to go on tour with the Illusionists again, right? Oh shit! Right on. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. We'll be here in Toronto, so hopefully you'll you'll. Come oh, see I'll come it. through that for sure. And the first time I did it was my experience of, uh, I know when I'm on stage. Like if I do, if I'm doing a piece. You, as you know, if someone gives you something from the audience, you've got to. You've got to. You can't ignore it. Yeah. You, we've all seen those people who don't want to be thrown off their script. Yeah. But you've got to lean into it. Oh, yeah. And so the great thing about The Illusionist was I was doing three routines, I think, maybe four routines max. So I was getting really comfortable. And the routines were getting longer and longer because people, I was just leaning into stuff. And I would come up and I'm like, was killed it. You know, and the stage manager would be like, <laughs> we don't want to go overtime you know yeah but you're like, like well but what am i gonna i got it there was a woman who, who kept following literally this old i said to this one the audience i was like i need a lady and this old lady stands up and she mrs b and she goes like i'm a lady and i'm so what do you do like so now she's like shuffling her way to the stage <laughs> And I'm like, this is hilarious. Uh, yeah, you're like, I need some music. She comes on stage for my chuckle box routine. I stand her there. And now I say, you stay here. And I'm going to go talk to this guy on this side of the stage. And I would turn out, she'd be over my shoulder. I'm like, get back to your place. What is, I want to see it. Like, it, was just, it was beautiful. I wish oh. it was, you know, but it made a 10 minute routine go 20. Sure. Yeah. You know, we had a moment in, um, on tour where I would send the dancers out to bring assistance up so that yeah. nobody thought I was 
prearranging anything. And I have this card routine. And it feels weird to me to do a close-up card routine for 5,000 people. Sure, me too. With camera, right? Yeah, but I think it's weird too. It, but it works. So yeah, it does. Like, great. So we bring this couple up and, um, and he's like super pumped. He's on this side of the table and she's sitting there and she's like this. Oh no. And um, so I'm like, you okay? She goes, okay. <laughs> so I had him choose a card. Either she's going, she knocks the cards. I mean, she's just doing this. It wasn't like she went like that, but she knocks the cards out of my hands. And, and then I'm like, you don't want to be here, do you? You know? And she goes, no. And I, I said, what, why? And she goes, I don't like magic. Oh. Like you, this is the illusionist. You do know it's the illusionist. Oh, my God. And she goes, yeah, I bought him tickets for his birthday, but oh, I don't like magic at all. And she was really, and, and so now what do you do, right? Yeah. Because she's angry that she's on stage. And now he's glaring at her like, don't mess this up. You're embarrassing me in front of 5,000 people. And so two choices. One is that you send her back to a seat because she's going to kill the whole routine. Yeah. Or lean into it. Oh, buddy. So I just I just was like, tell you what I'm going to do. I said, I love magic. I said, and by the end of this routine, I'm going to make you smile. Okay. I'm, 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 she's like, no. I'm like, I'm going to make you smile. And so uh, everything I did, I would then look to her for her approval. And she'd be like, and people thought it was hilarious. Oh, so was funny. So, so mean. Right? Yeah. She was just being harsh. But it was now they were on my side. Of course. Get the audience on my side. It was oh. us against her. And at the very end of it, I just I just remember this one moment where I do a card signed card ends up in a tic tac box that she's holding. Yeah. And and I and I always do this thing where I'm like, you you have a look and tell me if you want to share this with everyone else because that reaction of seeing it's the card beautiful. sells it for everybody, right? So she goes like this. She goes, <laughs> and and just that one. And I was like, got yeah, you, yeah. got you, <laughs> yes. You, you gotta lean into it. Of course. Again, Twenty minutes later, because sending her down would have been really hard to do. Like, and and still like get that momentum back. That would have been weird as fuck. So you made the right yeah, choice. Yeah, and you can't be oh. harsh to her because right. that's the ungentlemanly thing to do. Yeah, and you're it is, and you're not just uh, Steve Valentine's show. You're part of this bigger wheel. Yeah. So you might be able to be a little bit harsher in your own specific show. Yeah. But you're definitely right in that role. No, no way. I can't do that. It's a family show. Yeah. And, and you know, in England, of course, you can when people heckle or give you stuff then you're in, expected right to come back in kind yeah. as harsh as you want to be jimmy you know? carr all the way oh my like, god yeah Jimmy, jimmy's the man yeah right? exactly and um so but no you have to behave yourself a little bit more uh but yeah so i'm looking forward to doing the tour come see it it'll be interesting. i can't wait man that's fucking awesome and you know about magic on the go do you know what i'm doing with that have is you that your app yeah, it's the app school. Yeah, yeah. You, you talked about me when I was late for lunch last time. You talked. To me. You, yeah, you, 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 I want to tell you guys about Magic on the Go. <laughs> Do it, hit because it. Because we've been doing it since uh, 2017. It was like I think one of the first um, online subscriber Magic schools. Yeah. Originally, it was just designed as a place to put all my DVD stuff for streaming, and then I realized that. Um, whereas like when you put out a product or you write a book, it takes time. You you have to oh, sell it. You got crazy stuff that you know just to mail. If I had an idea or a concept or I found something in an old book or magazine, I could work it up, um, I could finesse it, I could put it on the site. Because yeah. I don't have to worry about selling it as, as, as this worth a one-trick DVD. Right, yeah, of and, course. And so then 
um, as I, I, I love reading old magic books and because I think the secrets of magic are getting lost, right? So I yeah. like finding these amazing things and going, have you seen this? Yeah. And then like from the 1920s, like doing it for people. Love like, it. What, whose is that? And I'm like, the guy's been dead for a hundred years. Yeah, but, love it. Um, and so the site has just grown and we now have, I mean, I have subscribers all over the world, but over 900 videos now. That is a so when you sign up now, you get like a back catalog of like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. When it first, and yeah. a couple of good ones too, even. There's a couple. Well, there's one or two good ones. <laughs> I keep the good shit for me. That's uh, awesome. But no, I put every, everything. So, and then I'll do like um, deep dives into a topic like I did with Cards to Pocket. And I did mm. this like 120 videos on, on, on all the techniques for that. And then Egg Bag and Diminishing Cards and kind of these classics of magic and kind of like what are the older methods? I'm like, I like travel the world i'll collect the old props i'll find them i'll you know these um things that you, you wouldn't even know existed there's methods of doing stuff from years and years ago and then and some of them are just brilliant they just got lost you know a, a, along the way and then i do interviews um I, i'll do um I, lo I love doing this thing called uh, past masters where I'll, I'll read like a podcasting and i'll read uh the written words of some famous magician from the past oh cool and uh, you have to kind of guess who it is but also it's like as relevant today as as it was when it was written you know <sighs> That's so and i just have a lot of fun with it <laughs> man you must come across some crazy passages though like and if you see a woman unaccompanied by a man, right? Yes. Like shit like that must be just like... There's uh, there's some stuff by a guy called Will Goldston who yeah. was a prolific writer back in the day, but also he just ripped everybody off and put... <laughs> he would ask someone to donate a trick to his books. They would say no, he'd do it anyway. Oh my God. And he would sometimes make up his own methods. So his methods are somewhat preposterous and sometimes right. he would hit it, hit the nail on the head. Um, and then he's got this one book called Sensational Tales of the Mystery Men. It's a great title, really and good. just kind of like weird stories about magicians is basically what it is. Famous magicians. Oh hell yeah! And it's a good book. And I was gonna, and I thought, you know, it's it's um it's in public domain. I thought maybe I'll I'll do it as an audio book. Oh. And then so many of the chapters are like oh. um, have offensive language, <laughs> <laughs> things inappropriate things when we're talking about African Americans. Yeah, when we're talking yeah. about Jewish people or the way women should be. I'm like, I can't read this. I can't because they're going <laughs> to. Or can you? Or can I? I'll read it and I'll say narrated by. And then, Who do we hate today? And I'll just put that that, that name. Alan oh. Smithy is the oh, is the name. Fuck, you know? that's wild. Yeah. So, oh so the God. site's been great. It's been growing, and, and now we're adding a new app to it. Magic on the go. Magic on the go, man. Magic on the go. I love it. Um, that that that's it for this uh this this yeah. this episode. We're gonna go on to the uh the what do you call it the Patreon. So um, uh, I thought it was I, th I thought it was uh okay no yeah we gotta go to the Patreon episode now. So we're gonna carry on this conversation. Thanks Not for hanging fans, out with us. That's me. Yeah yeah. I'm thinking of OnlyFans, man. That'd be a good spot for magic too. Honestly. Uh, come over there. Thanks for hanging out with us and uh, getting to the bottom of it. Tell three friends. I know the uh, recording stopped on the uh, video, but the audio is still going. Yes, you can and, hear uh, us, but you can't see what we're doing. Exactly. All right, see you on Patreon, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Ciao. Bye. Bye.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.